Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Baby, baby, it's the UBP, the UBP of the UBP. I was drinking again, mate. I couldn't. I was going to choke just to. (laughs) Spit takes the the official podcast. I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. We are not calling our show Spit Takes, mate. That is a porno podcast, and you know it. <laughs> hey, June's out, mate. I've just seen it. There's a whole bit in that movie where they all spit at each other. It's a greeting. It's 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 a beautiful thing. I'm sorry. What? You want to yeah. run that by me again, pal? Yeah. That, was about, that was about twenty miles an hour quicker than I'm used to right they've now. Got, What's going they've on? got a they've got a lovely uh, moisture problem in June, and so it's a it's a big old deal when someone spits at you. So they're just they're just oh. trading it, trading the spit. Oh, fair fair play. But yes, this is the Untitled Banner Podcast. We take all your different thoughts, all your different talking points, whatever you'd like us to do and talk about each and every week. Now, we got a massive response last week, so I've rolled over a whole bunch of things um, to this week, including some stuff from weeks gone by where we haven't got to as many questions as we'd like to. Um, But before I get to everybody's submissions, let's talk about the Uncharted movie, the movie that's dividing Mm. the world. I think that this movie might be okay i really wasn't it sold right. on it. yeah i wasn't sold on it at all to begin with but now <laughs> i went back and watched the trailer again and i was like there's actually quite a lot to enjoy here I, mm. I enjoy the fact that they're referencing certain parts of like the set pieces from the second uh game especially i was like this looks pretty interesting mm-hmm. but i kind of like as well how uh, tom holland is like sort of goofy charming nature really lends itself well to drake i'm, I'm actually quite like There's excited a weird about thing, that like because like yeah the, the, the set piece thing i think you're on about is from three the one with the cargo plane like that's like the before oh sorry it's from three is it okay but still like they they've got a whole thing where it feels like they're just smushing all of uncharted into one place like they've got like chloe's coming in from like she looks like uncharted 2 chloe then they've got like the cargo plane and the suits from uncharted 3 Uncharted 4, and then they've got like the pirate ship and all that stuff from 4 as well. Yeah. And then they're mentioning Sam, which is from Uncharted 4. But isn't it quite strange how this film, in essence, is the exact same uh, montage of shots and the condensate, uh, condensate, what's the word I'm looking for? Combination. Um, you bring stuff together. No, when you're like condensing, condensing right, right. ideas that the uh, Welcome to Resident Evil uh, trailer was, but we oh, hated yeah. that because it looked like it was doing all of the worst things and playing them off of cheap pops. Mm. Here, though, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of intrigued because if they can mesh all of the best bits of the stories together, they actually will have an exceptionally good uh, like adventure film. So, mm-hmm. well, my thing crossed. is like, you know, 
all they could have done is taken the cutscenes and just reshot them as a movie. See, like that was the whole thing with the Uncharted movie or anything that's Naughty Dog is you've already got like it's already movie level cutscenes and mm-hmm. uh, you know acting and everything else anyway. So like obviously that Uncharted three very one to one, but um, like them writing hopefully an original story where Drake Val or Sam left a clue and we were investigating so we're younger and that's why I'm doing this thing. And so like I'm curious what that is. I don't think to- Tom Holland is just Tom Holland to me. Can't yeah. be anything other like he's kind of Peter Parker. That's kind of um, Mark Wahlberg is not Sully or ever. Well, unless he just suddenly develops a mustache out of nowhere, <laughs> which would be quite impressive. If he just goes like, like if there was a joke about it in the first like scene or the last scene, mm. then maybe we could play that off as being something quite good. Like, say, imagine he meets him for the first time. He's got a big mustache and he's like, nah, getting rid of it. Like that might piss <laughs> off fans. But if it's at the end of the thing, like in a post-credit sequence where maybe he's undercover and he's like. Mm. It's like Sully, and he's got the big mustache. He's like, "What do you think?" If that he, could be quite fun. If they do that, or do like um, him with like a big cigar and his mustache, get him a Hawaiian shirt. Like maybe do that in the post credit yeah. sequence or something. Because um, at the minute, he just feels like, like Tom Holland feels like Tom Holland, and Mark Wahlberg feels like Mark, and Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg yeah. yeah. So it's like hundred percent agree. Yeah, and so I I am curious on the story front. I think they've nailed the um, some of the set piece side of it. I thought that cargo plane thing looked solid enough. Um, and so I'm kind of I'm just kind of curious. I like the idea of just playing with the entire fiction in, in one thing, yeah. even though it breaks the timeline. It makes no sense. Whatever. Young Drake is old Drake. It's all the same thing. The one thing I didn't like about that cargo plane action sequence was that when he went overboard and like got knocked out by the car, I was mm. like the an- the animation effects they use to show him falling through the air. Like they did no, they did no ripples on his skin, which is obviously what would happen if you face oh, like, okay. the, like the the force of wind rushing against yeah, you. And yeah. I looked at it, and I was like, that is the most fake looking thing I've ever <laughs> seen, and it kind of immediately pulled me back out again. I was like, oh no, come on, God, now that you've hundreds said that? of millions of dollars on this. Yeah, like I, mean, I was. Did they not just like, made it look a little bit like he was in a wind tunnel or something? Well, like, I guess like I he's kind of like behind one of the cargo like uh, crates or something, and then he's like behind the plane, so it's not too bad. But there should be like some wind in his I, hair. Or I something. don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> it was it was also that thing when like the the guy was jumping behind him on the like the backs of the cargo loads mm. and was like nearly there. Tom's animation in that seems pretty fine. Like he's like fighting against the wind resistance. No. You know, the guy behind him, like bouncing like he's goddamn Mario. He's just like, <laughs> like that. I was just like, okay, okay. Really I think it's going to be a in. Lot of rubberized humans everywhere. Um, in the podcast that our Zoom connection is all over the place. So if we disconnect yeah. it, if there's a big old delay uh, in between us, it's not our fault. It's Mr. Zoom. It shouldn't be a thing next week will be listen for the first time in 20 odd months it's going to be a landmark event now i'm not going to lie scott uh, on my end of the zoom call there <laughs> as soon as you started talking about the zoom problems you glitched out <laughs> immensely right and i heard the words oh. be there in person <laughs> i think it's because of the fact that we're making fun of the woman at the beginning of this like recording has started she's just been like listen guys i'm just doing a job all right you keep taking the piss this is what i'm going to do to you i'm going to ruin every single synced up recording you've ever had but yeah hopefully next week we'll be in person we'll be in the new office and we can do something where we can actually talk to each other's flesh and blood faces for the first time since it's the start of lovely. last year it's gonna be lovely and um, we'll put out another, another uh, question roundup tweet thing going forward but for now um a question from richard futel who said who says what is the absolute minimum that in your humble opinion a remaster needs to include in order to be considered good um good graphics new gameplay better soundtrack maybe even new characters or modes and um, he says this comes from all the GTA stuff with Rockstar and then removing the original versions of um, the trilogy and just etc. What's 
going to make that worthwhile? Well, I think that you uh, err into the side of a remake if you start adding in tons of new stuff. So mm. in my opinion, what a fantastic remaster should be is something that takes the existing game and elevates its best points and fixes its worst points. Mm. Um, I think that graphics in the big pile of things that I would like to see are actually kind of lower down. Like, yes, I'm mm. fine with up stuff. I don't feel like every single remaster needs like a whole new graphics engine applied on top of it. If it is, that should be the last thing that, that goes onto it i know that it's what the first thing that most people would look for because they're trying to sell a game based on its visuals alone but for me personally it's the gameplay that obviously needs to be fixed a good example of it is um there's a few games that have gone there and they've tweaked the negative aspects of it like uh, when the wind waker hd came out uh for the wii u they added in the quick sale now, I personally yes. didn't have an issue with the quick with the sailing options i thought that it actually lent itself quite well to the overall tone and the atmosphere of the game but because that game had come out so far after, people expected to get through it quicker because they were like, right, we've seen this. We just want to get to the best bits. And adding in something mm. like that improved the quality of life for a lot of players who, A, had never played it before, and B, were returning to it. That is what I consider to be mm. a good remaster, one that addresses the problems without saying, yes, it was completely broken, but adding in ways <laughs> to get around it or mitigate the lower, po lower points of the game. Yeah, mine's all about the themselves literally sat down and said oh man I, I wish we did that or something out the artistry the authorship side of it so i think you can implement stuff and um, if there was like a notable fan backlash against something but as long as the developers agree i don't think you should ever yield to an audience necessarily if you're a, an auteur or a creator i think you should do, you know it, it has to come from them um but like you said it's a quality of life improvements yeah. are what i'm all about as well i like to maintain the look of certain games um so for me i'll always just take like aohd um resolution upgrades like give me the original graphics engine that's what makes it identifiable like i don't mm -hmm. final, the original final fantasy 7 looks like a bunch of lego bricks but i love it and it's identifiable i like the remake but it's a completely <laughs> yeah. different thing I, it depends it's sort of case by case i think in in the, the gta games um you know some a leak from i think it was like a south korean ratings board or something said that they uh, it is gonna have gta 5 style aiming mechanics and stuff like that so it seems like a gameplay wise it's gonna be upgraded but there's no comment on what they're doing with the the graphics other than that it's gonna have a new lighting engine now that's fine i think in a way because but you are risking changing the entire core of that game now i'm not yeah. saying that the original grand theft auto games had good shooting mechanics i mean i Mew. died so many times right do you remember that uh, one mission in vice city where it, you hunt down the chef and it's like an alleyway full of guys and they all suddenly arrive pull out cars it's quite early on in I think the game. So. it annoys me so much because <laughs> of the fact that i died so many times to just how many people were there shooting and now you're like right stand still get the aimer over there mm. blah 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 it's Stand still, aim that I'm losing health all the time. Yeah. If they can make it so that the Grand Theft also five mechanics of like being able to take cover, pick your shots better, finish enemies in one hit with uh, like well-placed uh, headshots, mm -hmm. then fine. That will elevate that game to be absolutely brilliant across the board. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I think that should never be messed with, for me personally, are the soundtracks. If I hear that people are yes. remastering and remixing and re-recording all of these things, I'm like, often, why? But let me play with the original soundtrack. That's why I fell in love with these games. Yeah, that's one of the biggest question marks hanging over this whole thing is, like, have they been able to relicense all of those songs? Because that is a massive mm -hmm. bodies of work. Like, Vice City has arguably the best soundtrack or just collection of songs in entertainment history. And San Andreas is right behind it. Um, and that was the whole thing mm -hmm. with the Tony Hawk's remake. Uh, initially, there was, like, two or three songs that got missed off, and then they did confirm they managed to get them again. So that's 
that's actually that's a good parallel i think like i would say that the tony hawks remasters um or remakes i guess um are a good go-to like if you're going to play tony hawks you should just play the the remakes at this point same yeah i kind of think i would say with the spyro remakes but i wouldn't with the crash trilogy but that's just me yeah I think that you end up having to be able to certifiably say if you are going to remaster a game that it is going to be the best, the most definitive mm. version of it. I think one other <clears> area that w is quite good if you can and there's access to the files is adding in content that was cut from the original game to yeah. round out the experience. Um, mm. For example, I know you just mentioned that the Crash Trilogy wouldn't be one that you would consider to be like, one of your favorite remakes or remasters, mm -hmm. but I did love the fact that they added in Stormy Ascent as the free DLC that was cut from the original Crash one. I yeah. feel like that shows a love from the developers, be they the new developers taking this on or the old ones remastering their own work, because that's the most important thing. You want to fall in love with it and you want to make sure that it's a passion project from start to finish, not just a rehash to get the money from nostalgia fans. Like, Which is the, the biggest, and again, that's another sort of biggest question mark thing is like when that rumored price of £70 or whatever the premium price point leaked, yeah. um, is it just Rockstar cashing bad stuff now that all their main creative leads have left the company? Um, maybe, but I guess we'll see. I'm still waiting for it. something. It seems like I know, I know that some um, like the full next gen versions or whatever got delayed, but I think they'll hopefully still do a trailer um, towards the end of this year. I guess we'll wait and see. Um, mm -hmm. Next question from Carol Type Shaw, who says, hello, lads, which gaming franchises do you think experience the most franchise fatigue? And what do you guys think the developers can do to fix it? Cheers from Indonesia. Well, hello, Mr. Indonesia. Oh, wow. <laughs> hello. Hello. Thank you for your question. Um, so which franchises do we feel that we just get bored of? Is that is that uh, which ones do we feel down to because... the most franchise fatigue? Uh, mine's like the Assassin's Creed uh, by a landslide. Because mm, it's the same game over and over again. Yeah. But this is the interesting thing is that you um, recently had some time with Far Cry 6, didn't mm -hmm. you? And you were yeah. saying that like I'm uh, you were so done with the formula because you knew exactly what you were getting. But this is the best version of that formula. So it's you were weird. kind of pulled back in by it. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know if it's like a timing thing or just because I didn't really click with Far Cry 5. I think I, Far Cry 6 made me realize that one of the things I love about that franchise is the, definitely the setting. I like a big, gorgeous, mm -hmm. you know, Vista, like holiday style setting. And the, the American setting just didn't do it for me with 5. Um, and so like, mm -hmm. but it's also like the performance of it in 6. I think that it runs better than ever. I think they streamlined a lot of the unlocks and stuff. There was just a way to just go in that game. Like in terms of just, here's some awesome weapons, yeah. here's some awesome moves. And I just sort of drank that thing in, but it absolutely is the epitome of that formula. So I get that people like, I mean, Josh has bounced right yeah. off it. He's like played like hard. I mean, he's almost played about the same amount of time as me, but he almost traded it back in. Whereas for me, it's just my fast food game. Because just... he's done that before. Yeah. He's done, it's, he's done that game so many times over. And so many millions of people have. And so I think but... that like, I get it, but it's, it, yeah, for me, I can put up with it in this case, but it's definitely case by case. I think for me, um, one of the biggest franchise fatigue things that I have, even though I'm not even a part of that franchise, mm. is the um, the sports uh, like FIFA games. Because <laughs> like, have you seen recently that EA have been completely like uh, undercut by FIFA themselves? Oh, we have a whole question saying, about like, that. They want, yeah. So 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 FIFA have said we want a billion dollars for the yep. licensing rights uh, for the next EA uh, FIFA games going forward, and EA have just basically said. Well, that's quite a lot of money. And unfortunately, it's going to have a hugely detrimental effect on the game itself because we are going to see a huge push towards the microtransactions, mm. towards the ultimate team stuff. Even more so, you will be playing a loot box simulator with a football game attached by the end of things. <laughs> but 
even even worse than that is the fact that uh, EA have been somebody who's reported. I think it's Yong Ye, uh, who uh, the YouTuber who is mm-hmm. amazing. If you've not watched his stuff, he is a fantastic, like always up to date uh, on the, his finger on the pulse of the gaming industry. He said that there's rumors mm-hmm. circulating that uh, FIFA are thinking of getting their own development team to make their own FIFA game. So they're going to destroy their own franchise because they will not have a single clue about how to make the game properly. And when has a first-time developer ever taken over the reins Mm. of a massive franchise? Hello, 343 Studios. Um, Taken done well with that, you know (laughs) what I'm saying? That's that's a really fascinating thing because yeah the the rumored title that EA Sports want to run with is EA Sports FC so it would yeah. instead of FIFA the game from EA would just become EA Sports FC but if FIFA themselves go separately and do their own thing then it's kind of like the two thousands when there was like five or six different football games all yeah. running around at but, the same time like but none ISS of them are good. <laughs> and FIFA and everything else no and it's I mean it's, I I just love ISS obviously it became Pro Evo but like there was like a whole but there was a time when it was what that was I think called like Football Club or something when like each individual individual club had their own version of the game there was like a liverpool one a manchester one yeah and like i forget what that was but that was like another one and there was michael owens football at one point there was just like (laughs) there was loads of stuff and so once you break all that open then you'll get loads of competition again do you remember the um the, (laughs) the three lines ps1 game Oh, that, yeah, that was, yeah. oh, that was classic. Wait, I'll tell you yeah, what, honestly, I'll, I'll give all me, of this, give just me red card, card red card. I just said red card, yes, the delay yes. and the red card at the same time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the delay brings us together. I think that uh, that was the whole thing. Once you break all that open and you allow for competition again, then uh, in that space, then you will see the likes of, hopefully you'll see the likes of the more arcade stuff again. Because um, maybe EA bring back the FIFA Street stuff. Well, I guess they couldn't call it that. It would just be called Street FC or something. <laughs> yeah, EA but, um, Streets. Just bring back EA Big for me at this point. But yeah, we also that was a follow-up question that we got from Ricky Adamson, who just said, what's our general thoughts on EA dropping the FIFA brand mm-hmm. over the $1 billion price tag, $1 billion price tag to keep it going? Um, that is interesting. What do you think the, the value of the brand is? Do you think the, the mainstream audience will just follow the FIFA name regardless of who's making it? Of course they will. Of yeah. course they will. And I'm not like, this is not to insinuate or um, reprimand any gamer who loves the FIFA franchise or mm. any sport franchise like the Madden, the NASCAR stuff, whatever. Mm. What they have done is they have created the perfect, and I do not mean perfect in a good way, but perfect in a manipulative way, gameplay loop. What they do mm. is they hook you in, they draw you in with new features, new promised stuff, new gameplay, new graphics, whatever they need to do, like new water tech or whatever it was for uh, <laughs> Watch Dogs. But when they've got you in, you will grind from the very bottom to the very top. You'll pay with your microtransactions. You'll pay with your hard-earned time. You'll clock in for your daily challenges. And then they will hit the reset button every single year, and they will do it again, even though you know, even though they know that all they need to do is provide a live service roster update every single year, and that is all they should be doing. But because they are a business, because they need to make back the ridiculous licensing fees from uh, FIFA, they will do this microtransaction heavy loot box simulator. Mm -hmm. And trust me, I'm not saying this with joy in my heart because I don't want people (laughs) to be upset and waste their money, but I am saying it with a little bit of, I told you so, because I called this years ago. (laughs) I think um, to bring it back to um, Carol Typeshaw's question as well, just saying that what can developers do to fix the fatigue in those specific things? Maybe that would be something to fix the fatigue of the annual release cycle would be to do roster updates uh, instead of doing the whole unit cost, the reset stuff. Um, all the Ultimate Teams type stuff. For me, with Assassin's Creed, I would just want that franchise to have an identity again. I don't want it to just be the 
the nebulous Ubisoft game, which is what all of that, that even yeah. that's what Far Cry is. Far Cry is a first person Assassin's Creed at this point, for the most part, and um, with added explosions and carnage. Uh, and so, like, I just I want Ubisoft games to have identities again. I, obviously, there was a new Splinter yeah. Cell leaked as in development uh, this week. I have zero faith in that thing being anything other than another Ubisoft game. You were so upset about it because you were like, <laughs> oh, wicked, it's finally here. But also, it's finally here. I don't trust here. this that at means, all. Yeah, that means that it's existing in this point where Ubisoft are who they are. So you know the game that's going to be coming out of it. Well, and that was like just they, like, oh, that's depressing. They put the trailer off for that X Defiant thing, which was immediately just just rallied against us. Like the most yeah. Fortnite-style approach to Call of Duty that you could have done. Or the most hero shooter approach, i.e. Mm-hmm. nothing original. Um, and it just looked like, just looked bland as hell. And then they put the trailer off for Ghost Recon Frontline, which was despised so much. They've indefinitely delayed the beta that they were going to do. So Bad it's just like, times. can you just take a step back, Mr. Soft, and decide what the <laughs> hell you are? Like, yeah. stop doing these weird hodgepodge, like, focus-tested, watered-down games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if we get any Splinter Cell, because Sam Fisher as well, the, the last version of him is the one in Rainbow Six Siege, um, where his name is Zero, because that's clear yeah. how much he means to them. And also he's tired, beleaguered. Like he's just not in, he's just like <laughs> he's literally done. all my mates are dead. The stealth genre is dead, pal. And I'm hanging on by a thread. I just, I wonder if uh, Ghost, sorry, uh, the new Splinter Cell will just be Ghost Recon with the mark and execute mechanic from Splinter Cell. And you just put it in an open 100%. world. And you just you just go through outposts stealthily and take people out five at a time or something. Um, I I I fear for the I've literally negative faith in Ubisoft at this point. <laughs> I just absolutely none. Um, but yeah, I would love Assassin's Creed to have an identity again, maybe a yep. story focused thing, not just a big hodgepodge of open world stuff. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Um, next question from PG Quips. What is your multiplayer go-to game right now? I'm loving Hell Let Loose. Um, he also sent in a whole bunch of lovely thank yous and well wishes until oh, we get into you, the mate. week. And thank you to, to him as well. The memes this man makes every week are some of the best memes that you could ever find. Check out our Twitter threads each week for something like that. Um, if he puts one together. Um, in terms of a multiplayer game, um, have you got something that you go to at the minute? I, I'm a I'm a ping pong these days. Ping pong. Listen, ball. man, I'm I'm at the moment completely isolated. My game of multiplayer was going to be Back for Blood, and then I got it on mm. Game Pass, and it was an absolute train it's not wreck. Not great, is it? Like I. Don't don't like the fact that I'm playing it. Well, this is, I guess this comes to bite me in the ass for the time that I played <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 on the actual version that worked and no yes. one else got to. <laughs> I now get to play the version that I don't want to pay for. I don't want to pay for like 50 quid, 60 quid for the ones for the Xbox One and whatever. Mm. And now I'm just stuck with the uh, the Game Pass one that's on PC, which is just atrocious. James <laughs> Downs and I tried to load it up the other day just uh-huh. to test it out, right? Got through the tutorial, got to the main camp bit. It goes, right, build your deck of cards. Fine, did that. Go mm-hmm. choose a mission. Fine, did that. And me and Daz were sat there for 30 minutes. For we 30 counted minutes. to try and find one game. And we didn't find it. And we could find games separately, but not when we joined up together. Great. I hated that. I was just like, <laughs> I d- this is meant to be a game that I play with my friends. Why the hell would I want to just play with randos? Over uh, the card-based stuff. I just I, My thing was, because I, I barely played Left 4 Dead. I know that's like sacrilegious, but... I played a little bit of Left 4 Dead 2's demo, and that was about it. It just wasn't for me. That sort of PC-style shooter, it wasn't for me. I was living Halo, I was living Call of Duty. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. my thing. So I gave a shot. I felt like in the first sort of 10 minutes, I felt like I'd seen everything. I was like, yeah. I feel like it's just going to be this over and over again. And I wasn't really enjoying any part of it. So, And all the card system stuff just made me run a mile. So I bounced the hell off Back for Blood. But yeah. What I couldn't understand the most was is that they advertised this being as like a massive horde-based shooter. And when mm-hmm. I finally got to into the action as it were i was like okay i've seen all of these special infected types before they play exactly as you think that they would mm-hmm. and all of the enemies there was just, just no variance to them no. they just felt like absolute idiots and there wasn't even enough of them to make it feel like a challenge well ben roy was saying that he thought that the alien fire team game was a better left for dead game than back full blood just because in terms of the enemy variety, <laughs> which is a very bad sign and um so yeah i mean i think that that the whole horde shooter thing is in a very weird space um but i mean hopefully it pulls itself together back for blood's launch has been very rocky it's uh, everyone's just waiting for Dark Tide now. Warhammer 40k, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Vermintide with guns, bring it on. Let's go. Mm. My uh, my multiplayer go to, I like I said, I'm a, I'm a ping pong ball. I jump between a whole bunch of different stuff. I've always got Modern mm-hmm. Warfare uh, installed because I love the 2019 Modern Warfare, but um, it would mainly be Knockout City. I just absolutely love the dodgeball stuff in that game, uh, which goes alongside Dodgeball Academia as just the year of dodgeball. But Knockout City <laughs> is a very nice, simplistic game. You catch with the left trigger, you throw with the right, and then there's little trick shots you can do if you do like a shot while you're jumping or spinning you can add curve to it and stuff and it's just little teams of two or three people just twatting the hell out of each other with dodgeballs it's the best we'll have to play it when i come up next yes. week because i am staying at scott's house so that means scott's it's gonna house. be a switch party scott <laughs> it's gonna be a little switch party it's gonna be great dude i cannot effing wait it's been 20 plus months uh, it's been a while. Next question from Outlaw, who says, in our opinion, what's the better way to define your favorite game? One you loved so much that you are able to replay it over and over again, or one you love so much that you actually prefer not to play it again and leave the experience as a cherished memory? So uh, for me, it is emotional states when walking away from it. I will mm. gladly, like, ju- I, I can list off tons of examples where fun guy, uh, like fun firefights have like kept me engaged, where interesting mechanics have made me go, oh, that's really interesting. Mm. 
But for me, it's the takeaway from a game. If a game can nail its ending, then that is the most important thing for me because mm -hmm. I love just going, that was a satisfying conclusion. Like Disco Elysium, uh, Journey, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, those mm. are like my big three at the moment. Even um, uh, Link Between Worlds, Metroid Ooh, Dread recently yes, had a yes. moment of just fist pumping awesomeness <laughs> where I put the game down and I just said, yeah, that was a brilliant experience. I was, I felt like I'd had um, like a three course meal and mm. it was totally satisfying and I wanted more but I was just like, oh, I'm going to go home now and sleep this off first. Like, I will, I will say, like, yeah, I. It depends on the genre, but like, like sticking the landing is a is a big thing. I think it depends what they're going for. But like, if you're building a whole narrative up, or you're building a progression up, and then you completely bin it off in the closing sort of twenty minutes, mm -hmm. half an hour, um, I find it hard sometimes, like, to to discard that. And I don't necessarily think you should, depending on how much something is aiming for that. Um, if the reveal of the killer is terrible, or if the final boss yeah. is terrible, or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. Um, it depends how much fun you had to that point. Um, but I would almost combine the options that they provide like i mean if a game has inherent replayability to it then that's going to be something that factors into it being so beloved but overall most of my favorite games are one and done games um because like you said it's like it's that finished package feel like you absolutely rated uh breath of the wild yes. and so did james dowers and mm -hmm. i am so excited because on the train ride the lengthy so six and a half hour train ride <laughs> each way i will be playing that and mario odyssey so Ciao. i'll be finally catching up on those games mm -hmm. now james kind of hit me with a bit of a curveball though because he was like it is a long game it is something that you'll need to dedicate a ton of time to or you can try and rush the final boss and just get absolutely pied off yeah. but i was like that's interesting to me because I don't want to get burned out on these mm. things. I find that if a game overstays its welcome, if the gameplay loop is too obvious, like you, you are just getting better loot to make like the next fight stuff. easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The grind is obvious. Then I really bounce off that. So minimal grind is something that I look for. Well, the, the beauty of Breath of the Wild is that they almost like invented a new way to do open world stuff. It's, it's something that the likes of like Sable have done and the Pathless, mm -hmm. where it's sort of, I mean, in Breath of the Wild's case, it is just you go fight Ganon when you are ready, metatextually. When is Link ready? when are you ready as the character as the player <clears throat> and so you explore as much as you want until you feel ready all the moves you can unlock are in him anyway you just haven't figured out how to do them all yet mm -hmm. and so like oh you could read up how to do them in the first five minutes if you want in terms of slow motion backflips and whatever else but like i love that that it's just like when you're ready like you're the returning hero of hyrule so it's going to be on you like how burnout you get with the exploration i know that cleary got a bit burnout with it because um, mm -hmm. he was trying to do everything um and that game just yeah. doesn't really set itself up that way it's on you to mediate yourself I've totally accepted that when it comes to the Korok seeds, I'm just <laughs> apparently like a cutoff point with like, it's like two or 300. And then once you've got them, the just, lot, stop, yeah. just yeah. stop doing it. Like, well, all they give you is, is inventory space. So it's like, it's when you, like, like I said, when you feel like you've got enough, unless you want to be a completionist, it's all very optional. But I mean, there are like four pips on the world to go visit. And then there's yeah. tons of stuff to find in between. And you can just pick a direction and go. And that game has such a lush, tranquil, inviting feel. And um, that I find that the words like grind or just tick boxing through mission or objectives it's just so not what that game's about at that's all. good um, and you can just you can pick and choose your own sort of pace to it and um, that's why it works so well it works on a level that's a whole step above the ubisoft stuff um, and most most of the open world so hopefully you enjoy it um but yeah i mean I, I guess it's kind of a combination of these things i guess both of us would go for the like nail it first time and then it's yeah. immaculate and you you leave it kind of thing yeah um next question on from matthias grimm who says what game would you would you beautiful lads like to see get a red dead redemption 2 style development cycle for example i've always wondered what an assassin's creed game could be given seven years and a nearly endless budget love you all stay safe we'll see oh, thank you very much grimm. mate 
Yeah. Um, so in terms of like what game I'd love to see given the long term haul mm. so that you could remake it, I guess I don't want to just go back to the classics and just want to see them done better because I actually want them to return to something like Red Dead Redemption 1. I want a game <laughs> like that. I want I just, I just want like really like almost like arcadey shooty thing. But oh, you I mean said, Red Dead Revolver? Like the, yeah, that's what, the, sorry, what the I meant. Capcom yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, it's a tough one to think about, like, what would give the seven-year haul to? What would you be, do? Well, I think it doesn't have to be Rockstar. Oh, dude, I, if, if we're going to do big old budget, lots of animation, lots of, you know, opulent world design, my go-to is nearly always Legacy of Kane. I don't mm -hmm. know. I think mm -hmm. you'd have to do a really... I think if you did Legacy of Kane today, it would almost come out like a Dark Souls-type combat system, which makes yeah. me curious. That um, would be kinda, really good. I don't know if you would do it like that, or maybe it would be like Darksiders. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of Darksiders in, like, uh, a bit of Legacy of Kane in Darksiders, I find sometimes in terms of the cutscenes and the way everybody talks and stuff. Um, but I would love a big, like, Shakespearean-style script that, like, is shot really cinematically and beautifully and yeah. has yeah. weight and grandeur. And take Legacy of Kane and, and do it sort of like on the biggest scale possible i would love that stuff i'm trying to think of because like my mind would go back to like tomb raider but that's kind of already mm -hmm. been done they already had its time in the sun like that i'm trying desperately to think of like an adventure game from like the ps1 or 2 era that mm. i felt was great but just fell shy i mean jade actually, cocoon that's a that's a, <laughs> that a deep cut mate that is a deep i you know what it was is jade cocoon the one where it's um you're the little man no 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 it's like pokemon I'm, you're like a little, no. little little girl i'm thinking i'm thinking what is it what is it dark cloud dark cloud. oh dark cloud's cool that's the one that is it that is the <laughs> game that deserves seven years of pure graft if you take everything from that first game uh, the dungeon explore dungeon exploration the city building the long-winded star oh, that would be amazing i played that just last year because it was I, Did that, you was actually? The, that was actually the first game i played on my ps5 oh, other than astro's playroom wait, no i know what? i know it's crazy why? i know it's a thing i was playing dark cloud because i forgot why something reminded me of it and I realized that I could get it on my PS4. And then when I got the PS5, when I was doing the, the launch, sorry, the review window before launch, I was testing what worked. I was testing PT yeah. and I was testing uh, PS2 games and stuff, um, as in like the ones that you buy on the store. Yeah. And so Dark Cloud was the most recent one that I had because I was playing through it and I was like, this is great. I'm playing Dark Cloud on a PlayStation 5. And Madness. so that game's still really fun. They need to change the story setup and stuff. But like you said, yeah. the way that they do that mesh of dungeons and building stuff, if you flesh that out, almost Nino Kuni 2 style, but do it, way more in-depth and stuff, that would be a really cool hybrid mechanic. I absolutely adored Nino Kuni Tooney. Uh, it is such a beautiful game. I just wish they got rid of that bloody war mechanic. You know, the one mm. we got like, like, got to move your troops around in mm -hmm. person and then it's like react to it. It's like, make it turn-based. Just make it turn-based. It was, yeah, it's sort of like, um, just just always us thinking of the hashtag content, but it's sort of like <laughs> great games that were almost perfect or something. Oh, that's Nino Kuni Two though is still a beautiful, beautiful time. Um, Number eight. <laughs> but like, yeah, I think with um, with Red Dead 2, it was applying the Red Dead 2 cycle, only the likes of Rockstar can pull that off. So it's, it's mm. very rare that anyone else does. Um, Just got to say yeah. as well, as a little addendum, it mm. comes to the seven hour uh, development time, but it doesn't come with the crunch time. That's, that's, no, our, little, that's, that's our thing. To that's a whole other thing is that it takes yeah. a massive amount of hu a human cost to make those games. Mm -hmm. um, final question from Jacob Wright. Hope we're doing well. Looking forward to see that you, both of you in the new studio. Do you yeah, think yeah. Xbox PlayStation should introduce a new mascot for the new generation of gamers the likes of crash and mario got me into gaming in the first place you know what it is uh an interesting question that because mm. the reason that they've moved away from it i'd say that the xbox still has master chief as its mascot <laughs> in essence yes. if you want to call him a mascot um he's more of a, a 
a little picture of him lives inside every Xbox, but they've not capitalized on that. And hopefully they will with Halo Infinite, but it's been a long time coming. I feel like maybe he's just too faceless and emotionless to to, to not really be like... There was a time when it was him and Marcus Phoenix and almost Man from Fable. And there was a a time when (laughs) Xbox... It was Blinks. It was Blinks the Time Sweeper. (laughs) It was Blinks the Time Sweeper. There was a time when they also had uh, the Bionic Commando Man on like some Xbox marketing because it was on Xbox Dread Dreadlock Man. Dread Dread Man. Yeah, Yeah, Mr. Dread. And uh, Judge Dredd, and it was just like that stuff was like, oh, this is the Xbox lineup, and it absolutely was not. Like, bio, no one's associating Bionic Commando with Xbox. But um, I do, I think that I think the industry kind of moved away from mascots because I would assume that they think they are inherently for a younger audience. Um, even yes. though I don't necessarily agree. Um, but I feel like when Aloy came around, when Horizon came around in 2017, that was held up as the new PlayStation mascot, and mm-hmm. Aloy is very much one of the faces of PlayStation, and that next to Kratos and Nathan Drake. So I feel like we've moved. That's the new mascot it's more of like a, a human being or something it's not like a, a cuddly mm. thing anymore it's it's kind of a shame in a way because like we did all grow up on the mascots mm. um but i don't maybe their relevance is only applied to the company you're basing it on because it's mm. like uh with playstation saying like the for the players being their thing there they want to make sure that it's like you're every man and what mm. you have that is literally every man it is kratos it's just well, like a guy like, like dude I like um like the Astro Astro Bot or whatever you call it the little built-in yeah. thing that's in the PS5 yeah. like that's a lush little mascot and the amount of animation they've put into him in the new game that you get with your PS5 <clears throat> makes that character really work and he can sort of wear costumes of other characters and stuff it's a bit like what they tried to do with Sackboy but I feel like it works a little bit better like at the minute and so I wonder how much a younger generation of gamers like who do they latch onto is it all just Fortnite characters yeah. at this point like I don't know uh, how, if you were to give a mascot to each of the different consoles, so obviously yeah. you've got like Nintendo's got its Mario's yes. and Link's, and you've got um, uh, what would you give for Xbox? Would you give it to Master Chief? Oh God, it'd probably have to be Master Chief at this point, and also he's been in Fortnite, so it's like someone would associate him with Xbox, yeah. but like a little a cuddlier version of Master Chief. I I don't know because he's not like a chibi he's... version. Is that how you pronounce it? Maybe a chibi version of him, yeah, with yeah. like a slightly bigger head or something. But I think it probably has to be. That's that's the biggest weirdest thing with Xbox right now is that they don't have a first party lineup. Like they sort yeah. of have rumblings of Perfect Dark, rumblings of Fable, and, and another Forza. It's it's a Forza car. Just give it a Forza car with a face yeah. Yeah. with some googly eyes on the front of it at this stage. I- I think that Sony probably uh, don't capitalize as much on it as they probably should do, but no. Cloud, like I feel like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, I feel like that is because people associate that with the PlayStation 1 Sony... with all of Final Fantasy because of its like massive popularity. Yeah, yeah. I think the amount of that, because that's still going to be coming to Xbox, the Final Fantasy VII remake, Which but I feel like mad, that's just been it? cast to the side. Yeah. Um, but I feel like for Sony, they would love everyone to associate Spider-Man with Sony. They put so much money into putting <sighs> well, they him. Would, wouldn't they? Oh, mm. Well, they put him in the marketing. They spent all the money on the exclusivity side of it they they want spidey to be a playstation character which he almost is um but like he's obviously not because it's marvel but the amount of money that they spend it feels like they want him to be um mm. i think playstation's mascot at the minute is kratos um because yeah. he you know god of war is just such a great game and it, it, it won best game of all time in ign's recent poll and everything so it's i think in the modern age it's probably kratos but when aloy arrives next year she'll be all over the marketing again do you just go for mascots through popularity contests though do you do, or do you go from what they represent to the actual company itself? I think it's, well, I mean, that was the whole thing. Well, like back in the day, Crash was just like an att- attitudinal thing. It was always got yeah. boxer shorts on. He's got yeah. a Crash 3 warped. He's got the big gold chain on and everything. And so it's it's whatever they want their attitude to be. But I mean, Sony in the Jim Ryan era don't really have much of an attitude. Nintendo 
pretty much are the cuddly, well, they want to be the cuddly version that you get from Mario and mm-hmm. Kirby and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Whereas Sony are just, we don't know what the hell we are. We'll do whatever's popular. So I guess we'll just yeah. chase everybody. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I, what would you think in terms of like getting a mascot that is representative of the company attitude? I, it's a really hard one to to answer that because you're basically designing you're doing an advertising thing for them and marketing yeah. um if it is for everyone and it's based on i think, I think I astrobot's do... the closest they've got to an every yeah, like because it character. can be anything yeah it can't yeah i feel like and it's cute it's cuddly it's well the last time personality. tried this was they made polygon man which was just that weird like purple oh, spiky face that thing. was a weird looking and then thing, i forget it? the dude who um when they finally presented that to the head the whoever was at the head of the company at the time he like mm-hmm. hated it and he walked out the room or something but um, <laughs> i think it might have been um was it ken kudaragi i can't remember who it was but um, yeah, that was one of the last times they tried to sort of focus test, like, who are we as a brand? Okay, it's mm. Polygon Man. And then it was just like, <laughs> what? what is this? But um, overall, I guess we'd probably both say that mascots are important to games, but it depends sort of how they're done and when they're done. Yeah. And if you're trying to cash in on something, otherwise it just feels... Like you, it's easy to make a poochie. Uh, it's easy to just sort of get it wrong um, yeah. and have no sort of genuine charm to it. But, um, but yes, massive thank you to everybody for sending in all their various questions and stuff. We still have a whole ton that we might carry over um, to some point in the future, but we'll do a fresh batch next week because we'll be in person and we can get some stuff to talk about when I can see his lovely face in person. You know what? I'm going to actually try and uh, con the boss. I mean, talk to the bosses <laughs> into uh, letting us do this as a live stream and then recording Ooh-hoo-hoo! and taking the audio next week. I'm going to try my best. If we can get Scott and I together in a room where yes. we can answer questions that are fed to us live and have a backup stuff, I'm going to try and make this happen. I, I can't promise anything, Ooh. but I will try my best because that would Ooh. be good. It I've would got, be very good. I, we've got loads of, we've got like TVs behind us in the new studio, so I can put a big old UBP graphic on that TV. It would look ace. It would oh. look really good, wouldn't oh, it? I'm got, just saying. He's got, he's saying. got the ideas. He's got the lovely, got lovely ideas. Um, <laughs> but yes, we'll um, we'll put a tweet out at some point next week when we know what we're doing. And for now, this has been the Entitled Banter Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Jules Gill. Thank you very much for having me. UBP, UBP, UBP. We'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.